We've all done things we wish we never did God knows we will a thousand times again But we are a blade that is made strong by fire Every hill has been hurt Every Good morning, good morning, good morning Man, it is a great day to be alive in the great outdoors Cable Smith here welcoming each and every one of you into episode 621 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking all things hunting and fishing with you. So thanks for dropping by as we've got a, a great show lined up for you. And uh, I'll tell you all about it here in just a sec. But wow, another awesome turkey hunt in South Texas this week. Um, my buddy, good friend uh, and co-host of my other podcast, Justified Pursuit. But my buddy Chisholm Cook and I went down to our little honey hole in South Texas. And we're joined by a couple friends from Mossberg Firearms. So they brought all the shotguns and um, we killed seven birds in two days of hunting, uh, all tagged out. That was how many we were after and oh, just beautiful gobblers. We hit it just right. To, I've got to believe the peak of the, the breeding season, the way the birds reacted to calling and decoys, but, uh, more on that next week. Cause we taped a little round table over a few, uh, adult beverages there at the lodge after uh, our second day of hunting. So We'll talk turkeys next week, but I hope you have plans to get out. A lot of y'all have been sending me video and, and pictures of long beards that you've taken so far this spring from uh, various parts of the country, so congrats to you. Hope that y'all keep punching tags and that friends and family reap the rewards of your work in the field with some awesome meals. I think wild turkey gets uh, a bad rap, and I don't understand it because I think they're delicious. Uh, so, uh, also lots of big bass being caught. I went out a couple times last week, uh, took, took Henry one afternoon and starting to see a lot of bass, uh, especially the males, the bucks on beds caught, I think caught two the first day in an hour of fishing. And of course that was, uh, he's learning to cast for himself now with the artificial lure. So there was a lot of uh, untangling line and, and helping him sort that out. Uh, but Dad did catch a couple of fish. Spawning season is here, and that's always exciting as well. Uh, crappie spawn is on, too. I uh, saw um, a couple of my good friends wading out in the, the shallows of Lake Levon with crappie poles, and uh, they did pretty good. So <clears throat> it's, uh, it's truly an awesome time of the year to be an outdoorsman or woman. Um, what are we doing today? Let me tell you. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because making the trek down from Sherman, Texas is attorney Brock Benson. And um, Brock is responsible for kind of I'm not going to say spearheading because there were a lot of us involved with this, but he's been on the, the front lines of historically going back to when Texas Parks and Wildlife first proposed rifle seasons in uh, the archery-only county of Grayson. Yeah, he fought that 
some 10 years ago. And so when it was brought to the table again here in 2022, uh, he was on the front lines. Um, lots of people, though, the, the bow hunting community, um, former game wardens, myself. I mean, we all worked as a team to get the word out. It, you know, do we want this as a hunting community for those four counties, Grayson, uh, Collin, Rockwall, and Dallas? Do we want rifle seasons forced on us? And the overwhelming response was no, we do not. So why is Austin trying to cram it down our throats? Well, Brock was instrumental in exposing some of the, I, I hate to use the word corruption when talking about Texas Parks and Wildlife, but I, there's no other way to explain it. And you guys can draw your own conclusions but when you listen to the facts, which we're going to present today, it's pretty obvious. And that's sad because I'm a huge fan of, of Texas Parks and Wildlife and have a great relationship with them. But um, we're going to call a spade a spade on this show. We always have and we always will. That is my promise to you. So Brock will be here. I mean, he even wrote a scathing. Oh, you can't say scathing when it's true, right? But he put every, all of his knowledge in a letter. And uh, it's called the, um, what did he title that thing? The Slaying of the Golden Goose. You can read it yourself. It's in public record as he left it uh, in the, uh, the, the public comment part of this petition. Um, but ultimately, the hunting communities of these counties won. And for good reason. And I think whether you have skin in the game or not, what we're going to talk about today I think it exists in other state wildlife departments. So you might be tuning in from Idaho or somewhere in New England, Connecticut, and thinking, yeah, that they did something like this to us. And the hunting community didn't want it, but they did it anyway. Well, um, they didn't do it here. And that was because of the United Front and the overwhelming response and because of some of the digging that folks like Brock did. So... Thrilled to have Brock join us here. And then uh, at the bottom of the hour, our buddy Tyler Rosser of Lone Star Ag Credit will jump on. Uh, we're going to talk a little fly fishing, maybe some bird hunting, and then land acquisition. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the economy, but it's not going great. What does that mean for the folks out there who are ready to purchase their their dream recreational property for hunting or fishing or running cattle, whatever, whatever it may be. What does that mean? Whether that's uh, 20 acres or 150, what do those interest rates mean? How is the economy impacting that? And then also Lone Star Ag Credits, their patronage program where they pay dividends to their borrowers. That's right. You borrow money from them and then they actually pay you cash back. Well, that seems like a a good a good deal. Too good to be true, right? Uh, so that's what's on the docket for today. I'm excited about it. Um, so um, let's uh, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got a Lone Star Ag Credit swag pack that Tyler left here. It's a a Dove blind bag, perfect for your ammunition, your bird strap, uh, maybe your dog's water bowl, plus a sleeve for your shotgun. Lone Star Ag Credit sleeve for your shotgun. Oh, and then. We'll add the dog's water bowl, right? Uh, Belle, rest in peace, Belle. Love you, girl. But uh, she, I mean, she used the, the miles that we put on that water bowl. It's just like a little folding plastic nylon-y thing. Um, but uh, certainly it's compact and 
it just goes right in the blind bag. So anyway, um, how about email the word bass? That's bass to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And by the way, uh, I was catching them on a, uh, a black six inch Texas rig worm. If uh, not that you asked, but, uh, that's what they're biting here in North Texas. And I'll be back out tomorrow too. So, uh, should be even more. And hopefully some big girls showing up on those beds that the, uh, the boys have been getting ready for them. All right, let's take that break. Coming up next, Grayson County bow hunter and attorney Brock Benson joins us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And every bridge I cross just turns me upside down. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. Howdy folks, this is Ann Watson, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show with my buddy Cable Smith. Silver waves, shining in the sunlight. Cable Smith, welcome everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here today. If you've been following the show or following my social media posts over the past, let's just say, well, I guess since February is when we had Alan Kane on, our Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader. But uh, you're very aware, more than likely, that uh, I'm vehemently opposed to Texas Parks and Wildlife forcing Grayson, Collin, Dallas, and Rockwall counties into accepting rifle seasons. And there's so many reasons why, um, which we're going to get into with attorney Brock Benson, a bow hunter as well of Grayson County. Uh, but before we dive into that conversation, this segment is brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader. In big game conservation, whether you are a rifle or a bow hunter, doesn't matter. They don't discriminate. They put their money where their mouth is. If you are passionate about conservation, this is the group for you, especially if you like big game hunting, whether that's here or abroad. For more information, just head over to safariclub.org to join our ranks today. All right. Um, Well, Sitting across from me here in studio is Brock Benson, a Grayson County lawyer. Brock, thanks so much for making the trek down here from Sherman. Good to be here. My pleasure, man. So you're an attorney in Grayson County. That's right. And born and raised there? Born in Dallas, raised since uh, 18 months old. So my parents moved 
to Sherman when I was 18 months old and lived there other than college and law school my entire life. Okay. And you are a, uh, a bow hunter, I assume? I am. Bow hunting since I was probably 12, 13 years old. Uh-huh. And Grayson got, I think it was, I was talking with Dale um, Moses a couple weeks ago, and he was kind of giving me the history of, of Grayson County getting an archery season. I think it was in the 80s, correct? 80s, and then uh, it originally started as early archery only, which is generally known to be the month of October, you know, mm-hmm. give or take a few days. Uh, and then opened in, I believe, 98 or 99 to the full general season, but remained archery only mm-hmm. um, due to a petition that was filed uh, with the Parks and Wildlife Commission and has been archery only general season since that date. Okay. And, and then... Where I live here in Collin County, we got a season in 2012, along with uh, Dallas and, and Rockwall. Um, some nice deer have been killed in, in Collin County since then. That's right, <laughs> and, and I highly suspect that there are a lot of bow hunters down here that were itching for something like that to happen, and were thrilled when it opened, and have been thrilled since oh, because yeah. uh, it's uh, the herd appears to have been managed well, judging by the the returns and results. Yep. So, have you killed some nice bucks up there, in Grayson? I have, and and my dad has. Uh, uh-huh. We've we've been managing our property for years, um, and have have spent a lot of time and effort on it. Um, have we've killed two deer that are currently in the Ben and Crockett record book that over two hundred inches, and several others in the one fifty plus class. Uh-huh. Um, and. Uh, you know, it's it's a labor of love, but it's something we thoroughly enjoy and and have invested um, as much free time and, and money as we possibly can in doing so. And and I've got a lot a lot of friends that you know are the exact same way. Two deer over two hundred inches—that's impressive. Um, Grayson County has long been the gold standard for. I think when I think of Texas deer hunting, I think Grayson. Recently, you have to consider Colin as well. Um, and then South Texas, like those are the two places. Like if you want to shoot a big deer in Texas, that's your best opportunity. I think that's right. I, I think as, as management for deer has grown in popularity, probably, uh, over the last say 15 to 20 years statewide, um, obviously high fence is a game changer for some, but, but if you're talking about true low fence, wild populations of deer, I don't know that there are better opportunities than deep south texas or north central texas mm-hmm. um specifically grayson Colin, um obviously with archery equipment to harvest a true once in a lifetime type six seven year old plus mature deer weighing over 200 pounds and having a rack to match mm-hmm. i've honestly lost count of how many i don't I, i'm gonna say 190 inch up deer have been in the studio over the years like i, I don't even remember it's maybe maybe 10 yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah it's like and, and 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 they're um i i don't think people who you know who, who hunt these type of deer who don't hunt these type of deer on a regular basis understand how hard it is just to see a wild deer like that mm-hmm. and it's not really even about antler size as much as it is just about a mature trophy class, true bull of the woods type animal. Mm-hmm. You know, a six, seven plus year old deer is truly the master of his domain. And regardless of what's on his head, you know, the fact that deer like 
this in our area get to grow to be of that age and stature is really special. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is because very few people even get to see animals like that in the wild mm-hmm. and hunting scenario. Well, even um, Alan Kane will tell you the average deer in Texas is the average buck gets shot is two and a half years old. You know, so the fact that we are archery only and the the, the bucks get to be six and a half, seven and a half years old. Well, you know, it's a big. <laughs> I, I highly suspect that two and a half year old age average does not hold in Grayson and Colin. Oh, Grace. no. Heck no. Absolutely not. Um, and you talk about those 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 deer, those bucks specifically. I mean, that I was telling you I leased that 20 acres, and I've told the story um, on the air before, but I had a mid-170s buck that would come on there, but it's 20 acres, so he doesn't live there, right? He's there mm, every couple days. Yep. I never saw that deer. He knew I was on – it was 20 acres. He knew every time I was on there. One time he was on there, I was on there, it was still dark, and I knew from a trail camera, like, he, he walked behind my pop-up blind where no other deer – Walked behind the blind. They all funneled in front of it, like good little deer, like they were supposed to, into my shooting lane. No, he walked behind it, winded me. Never. I mean, I got a few pictures of him after that, but that was that was church for that buck. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's a that's a great point, and you know that that brings to mind the fact that the vast majority of people who hunt in these areas are hunting properties that are probably ten or fifteen acres to fifty. Mm-hmm. You know. Most of my friends and colleagues and, and the guys that I stay in contact with throughout seasons are hunting properties of that size. Uh, I know of only a handful of people who have the access to, to properties over, say, 300 acres. Yeah. And so... Well, there's not that many of those properties. There's not. And, and we're losing them daily, mm-hmm. you know, and, and their land prices are outrageous and they're being sold for development and people are losing access to properties. And so you're not really trying to manage the deer per se, as much as you're trying to manage the habitat. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to manage the habitat and hang on to what you have as long as you possibly can. Right. Right. It's very fragmented. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think Grayson probably a little less so than the other three counties, but I mean, I've lived in Collin County since 2010 and we'll talk about more about like this proposal from Texas Parks and Wildlife, but some of their, reasonings for adding a season in 2012 was like fragmented habitat well i'll tell you what we're only seeing more of that that's they're right. not making any more land that's right <laughs> we're and, losing and, it every day you know and, and you mentioned that grayson is less so and, and that is while that is true it's changing rapidly because uh-huh. the people that you know collin county rural land that is development oriented land is is priced at 35 to fifty thousand dollars an acre mm-hmm. and so now these guys are coming up these investor types are coming up and buying land in grayson county at what they think is now a bargain which is blowing prices out of the water for grayson natives mm-hmm. at you know 20 to thirty five thousand dollars an acre and i handle a lot of real estate transactions in my practice i'm keenly aware of the land prices right. i know what they are in fact i've seen you can't stop and progress. My I've friend. seen at least a thousand <laughs> acres of what would otherwise be prime deer hunting land transact just in the last six months. Uh-huh. It's sold. It's probably never going to be hunted again. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be cleared. No doubt about that. Yep. You'll see a strip mall or something else there. Yep. Houses and development. That's the truth. Collin County's changed immensely just in the 12, thir- 13 years that I've lived here. I mean, it's, uh, it's not the place that I moved to. And certainly, you know, growing up in Dallas, um, it's far from 
what it was. I mean, it was country uh, back in the the 90s when I was a kid. Um, We are going to take a quick break now that we know a little bit about uh, you and the history of archery seasons in in Grayson and uh, the other three counties as well. When we come back, I want to talk about your history with these petitions and, and specifically the recent one when you first became aware of it and uh, if you were surprised by the reaction from the hunting community here locally. Um, that segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Whether you're hunting in Grayson County, South Texas, or Iowa, doesn't matter. Big deer can't resist the Big and J. I'm a big fan of the BB Squared, but hey, they've got apple-scented uh, products. If, if you've got an apple orchard close by, they've got something for everybody. Nobody does it better when it comes to drawing in big bucks, and you can find their entire lineup at bigandj.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I with my tongue, my fears at the of the gun. All that I ask is one simple request. Just give me some peace, Lord, give me some rest. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turducken rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes. Storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisspecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. No, I stand my ground. Won't be turned around. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. Gonna stand my ground. And I won't back down. Won't back down. Little Tom Petty bringing us back on. SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you. Thanks for dropping by today as we are still visiting with uh, Grayson County bow hunter and attorney Brock Benson. And we'll get back into that conversation momentarily. This segment, though, brought to you by the Mossberg 940 Pro Turkey. I got to use a sample. Well, I I think they're actually available now. They are. Uh, But uh, my friend Linda Powell Shipped a couple to us for our turkey hunt in South Texas last week. It's their new semi-auto loading platform, now available with a shorter barrel, just specifically designed for you, the turkey hunter. You can find it at Mossberg.com. Um, all right, well, let's get back into it with Brock Benson. And Brock, um, I know that you saw 
most of my interview with uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife Whitetail Deer Program Leader Alan Kane. Uh, that was late February, I believe. When did you first become aware that TPWD was trying to push this agenda of, of adding rifle seasons to uh, these four North Texas archery-only counties? Sometime last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of old hat for, for some of us. We went through this in 2009, 2010 with Parks and Wildlife, uh, and, and then before. Uh, and this is the, I believe, the fourth time that a proposal has been made to open rifle hunting in Grayson County. So, so, mm-hmm. but uh, we found out about it last fall sometime. And what was your initial reaction? Like, here we go again. Uh-huh. And what what were your thoughts on what like when Alan's speaking publicly, whether it's on my show or somewhere else, about like the reason why we're going to try to implement rifle seasons? Texas is the largest and most diverse of the lower 48 states. And I can completely appreciate that people who do not live in Grayson College counties want to apply general biological concepts to those counties. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you can do that. And I am not a biologist. But I'm not stupid either. Right. And I do not think that you can be distant from the region for which you're trying to make policy and really and truly try to implement that policy. This is not a one size fits all state. Mm -hmm. And until you really truly come up here and experience it and talk to the people that live here and own land and pay taxes and vote and hunt here, I don't think you ought to make policy for those areas. Mm -hmm. I think that goes for any, for the wildlife across the state, quite frankly. No. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I mean, it needs to be pointed out that, the hunting community from these counties wasn't in Austin beating down their door saying, hey, we want a rifle season. That's right. That's right. Uh, the petition was prepared. Well, the petition was signed by a gentleman who lives in Athens, Texas, uh-huh. who's a certified wildlife biologist. This is Harry Jacobson. Harry Jacobson, retired uh, biologist for a professor from Mississippi State University and a gentleman named Tim Conduct who I don't know where he lives. Uh, I'm concerned that he doesn't even live within the state of Texas. Right. Uh, but I know he doesn't live in Grayson or Collin counties. And he's signing the petition. He did. And he's a, is he, is he a lobbyist or activist for the deer breeding community? That's what it looks like to me. He's heavily involved with parks and wildlife on the deer breeding side. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm aware of one facility in Grayson County that has anything to do with deer breeding. And, oh, by the way, I know the owners very well. And they're strongly in favor of keeping Grayson County archery only. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Connick, also a Lacey Act uh, violator. That's what it appears. Well, it's public record. I mean, yes. We're not, I'm not trying to throw the guy under the bus. But, hey, it's, it's worth pointing out. This guy has wildlife violations, and somehow he's now a uh, – a key player in in this petition. Like I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. I think if I I don't know how much of that is known in Austin. Uh-huh. Uh it's a simple Google search. It's page one. It's not difficult to find. It doesn't take lawyer skills to find. Yeah. Uh I think if I sit on the Parks and Wildlife Commission and I am making policy decisions that affect 
citizens of the state of Texas. I want to know all the facts, and I want to know who's behind these petitions and who I'm really dealing with here. And I think if I sit on the commission, I'm going to take a careful look. If I know, if I am made aware, at what I'm really and who I'm really dealing with here. Mm-hmm. And so, w- let's talk more about um, Harry Jacobson. Why is he so relevant here in this? The way this thing all played out. Well, Dr. Jacobson uh, signed the petition. Mm-hmm. He he submitted a petition uh, as a resident of Athens, Texas, to open rifle hunting season in Grayson College. Again, Athens, Texas. Athens, Texas. That's a, that's a long Hender- way away from where Henderson County. What we're talking about. Uh, he, he filed a petition to open rifle hunting season in Grayson College in Dallas and Rockwall counties. What's important to us about that is that in 2012, uh, Mr. Kane was the lead presenter on the Parks and Wildlife Department's petition to open archery-only general hunting season in Collin, Rockwell, and Dallas counties. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, he presented to the commission that this petition to open archery-only season was necessary because of the near obliteration of whitetail deer habitat, because of extensive urban, suburban, and ex-urban growth of the metroplex, because of highly fragmented habitat and minimal populations of whitetail deer. And these are all direct quotes, by the way. Right. And he said, given the continued urbanization of these counties, the sparse deer habitat that currently exists is expected to continue to decline in the future. Uh, it is. <laughs> that was a direct quote from, from Mr. Kane in 2012. Right. And so when we started analyzing and digging uh, and wondering why a biologist from Athens, Texas, would want to open rifle hunting in Grayson Collin and in these counties, obviously the question comes to mind, why now has Mr. Kane, in particular in, in the department, done a complete 180 on their previous position from 10 years ago. When we know we're not getting more habitat. We know none of these factors have gotten better for whitetail deer right. in the last 10 years. They've gotten substantially worse. Yeah. Monumentally worse. I mean, it's not just deer habitat. Like, places that I used to dove hunt six, seven, eight years ago, all gone. That's right. Those, fe- those cornfields are now uh, auto dealerships targets, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so then the question is, why in the world does the department now think that this is the right time to open rifle hunting, given the fact that 10 years ago, before all this recent growth, Mm -hmm. they didn't think it was. Right. And what is Dr. Jacobson's angle? And I was made aware that his angle was that that he was privately consulting with a 2,200-acre high-fence ranch in Grayson County, which, by the way, is the extreme outlier of all outliers in Grayson County bow hunting circles. And it appeared that he told the landowner that he thought as a member of the Parks and Wildlife's Whitetail Deer Advisory Committee, he could get a rifle hunting season proposal pushed for the benefit of of that particular ranch. Hmm. So that they could uh, theoretically go in there, wipe out the existing herd, and then put stalker deer on there you know i don't know what the angle was and so i can't speculate on that uh i'll do it for you 
but but I just know that Dr. Jacobson told the landowner specifically that he believed that as a sitting member of the Whitetail Deer Advisory Committee since its inception, he had a unique angle that would allow him to get this petition passed. Unique angle, uh, i.e. enough sway with the department to push something through. I think anyone <laughs> using rational thought could draw their own conclusion as to that. Matter. Yeah, right, right. Um, okay, so a 2,200-acre high fence now it, at the time was getting preferential treatment over the rest of, of you and I and all of our constituents, the uh, bow hunting communities of, of these four counties. I think the problem is that and I've I've read the report. I read Dr. Jacobson's report on the ranch. Mm-hmm. I have it. You see a copy of it sitting on the desk. I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. Uh, I think the problem is that biological principles that are applied to that ranch, 2,200 acres, theoretically completely enclosed, deer-proof fence. It's an island. Somehow, whoever wanted this to be passed was seeking to apply those principles and browse lines and studies and camera surveys to almost a million acres of residential population, mm-hmm. you know, of, and, and that's my math uh, of four counties, you know, where guys are trying to hold on to what they have, where they're trying to keep their 50 acre bow hunting, parcel as long as they can Mm -hmm. and where they don't have population issues because their deer are not enclosed behind high fence because they don't have browse line issues because they have limited browse anyway Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and 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 i think that's the real problem is you cannot apply those principles and all of a sudden say tell you what we're going to use this justification to just simply open rifle for four counties. What kind of wildlife management strategy is that? That's laughable. It, you know, I it's think insulting so. I mean, to, to you and I, it, to me. I mean, I'm just like, it's mind blowing. Um, what I, kind of, what kind of research did Texas parks and wildlife claim that they performed in order to justify, uh, moving forward with the petition? Well, you know, again, I'm not a biologist. Because uh, Alan told me in our in our discussion, I think it was around 11,000 deer, he said, we have within the four counties. 11,000 deer, um, roughly, what, four and a half million people-ish in within the four counties? That's not a lot of deer for four and a half million people. Not a lot of meat to go around. <laughs> uh, you know, they did a survey in November 2021 after... Uh, Dr. Jacobson and the Whitetail Deer Advisory Committee presented their petition to mm-hmm. Parks and Wildlife to, I guess, to the Whitetail Deer Advisory Committee. I don't know how that works. If you draft the petition, you present it to yourselves, maybe. I'm not sure. But they did the survey in November 2021, mm-hmm. which obviously is the rut, and they conducted a survey near Ray Roberts on the big mineral arm of Hagerman National Wildlife Refuge and then southeastern Grayson County, uh, the the highest populated areas of deer habitat in Grayson County, they appear to have run one survey line near Lake Levon in 
Collin County. Um, and they specifically said that there was not enough deer habitat in Dallas or Rockwall counties to run a, ser- uh, a survey. So they want to open rifle seasons in two counties where there's not enough deer habitat to even warrant a survey. That's, that's what it is. Kind of, that's, well, that's, that's what their survey weird. report says. And so they, they've they come up with 11,300 deer in, in, in this area, according to the survey. Uh, interestingly, in 2019, they estimated 2,788 deer in the same surveyed area. And so, so apparently we experienced a population explosion of <laughs> 9,000 9, deer, deer in the last two years oh prior to the survey. So I, I don't know I don't know how the numbers match. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the numbers are calculated, quite frankly. Um, it, it's my thought that when you kind of have a predetermined outcome of your petition, mm-hmm. That quite frankly, the numbers can be manipulated any way that you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm not a biologist either, but I know typically whitetail surveys are not done during the rut in November. Um, so you know you need to keep that in mind. And 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 also, they only surveyed the places with the highest deer density in the counties. That's right, and and you know I suppose that's understandable. But you know those, those are really some of the the thickest and, and most dense deer habitat there is around. And I think it's, I think it's difficult to be able to, to review a survey like that, that ignores uh, the less densely populated areas. I, I don't know how the math works that, that you can come up with those numbers, but regardless, I don't think the numbers really are relevant because the numbers can say whatever the numbers want to say. Right. It, yeah, it's irrelevant because <laughs> they already had decided that uh, they were going to move forward with this regardless of what the survey said. And the fact that Dallas County and Rockwell counties, they didn't even bother surveying because they said the deer density wasn't worth surveying. There's not enough deer there and they want to add a rifle seat. I don't, makes no sense, man. Um, We do need to take a quick break, Brock. We'll come back, possibly talk a little more about your uh, your response that you penned and and did it so eloquently exposing possible uh, not even possible exposing corruption dr jacobson i'm sorry uh love to get him on the show and hear his side of the story but the facts are the facts and this reeks to high holy hell but we'll talk about that next among other things as we continue this conversation and hopefully put a little bow on this issue this saga that north texans have been dealing with here over the past few months due to uh, the overreach of Texas Parks and Wildlife. That segment brought to you by the Renegade Quarter Zip Top from NUMA Outdoors, guaranteed for life. You destroy it, they replace it. You, you Your zipper somehow um, malfunctions, they replace it. Lifetime, unquestionable, guarantee. Who in the hell does that? I don't know another apparel company that does. Um, here's the cool thing. You'll also save 20% off your entire NUMA order when you use my promo code Lone Star 20 And the Renegade, that's what I was wearing in South Texas last week. It's light, breathable, and yet rugged. So it's not going to get snagged by uh, all those pokey, sticky things you'll, you'll find down there. 
in South Texas. It's The Renegade, and you can find it at numaoutdoors.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors. Lock in load in the shooting village at the Ducks Unlimited Expo, DUX. Presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, April 8th through 10th. 300-yard rifle range, trick shooting demos, live fire rifle and pistol range, ammo and firearm sales, seminars, and raffles. DUX, presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, April 8th through 10th. Tickets are only $10. Kids under 12, active or retired military, and first responders get in free. Buy your tickets today at duckexpo.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic-caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty? Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. Beautiful pipes of Caitlin, but it's not always going to be this way. Brand spanking new tune there. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. We're still visiting with Grayson County attorney and bow hunter Brock Benson. Before we get back into that conversation, though, this segment of the presentation is brought to you by Vortex Wear. This spring, whether you're filling feeders, um, you're headed to the turkey leash, the gun range, the boathouse, or the bar, Vortex has something for every occasion. And a lot of the stuff is fit for every occasion. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% off your entire order of Vortex apparel with that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout. Okay, well, without further ado, let's uh, continue our conversation with our friend Brock Benson, who's here in studio. So you wrote a, I don't, what would you call it? But I mean, the the title of the, the piece is The Slaying of the Golden Goose, and you submitted it to Texas Parks and Wildlife, and pretty much exposed what I would say was uh, corruption, like that's what we're, ta- basically what we're talking about here is corruption, like one dude invested in getting a rifle season for a 2200 acre high fence pushing that on the residents who didn't solicit this change from texas parks and wildlife that just reeks of corruption um and you were talking about the slaying of the golden goose that's the title of the piece if you want to expand on anything that you put in there that we haven't hit on i'm fairly well in tune with the local bow hunting community uh I know a lot of people, I have a lot of clients and friends who believe, like me, that are like-minded, that we have the same, you know, management strategies and goals and aspirations. 
and I have lived there my entire life, mm-hmm. and I have some connections in Collin County too. And, and I simply have not personally spoken with anyone in any of these counties that wants rifle hunting for deer in Grayson County. Uh, our state representative and senator were strongly opposed. Our county judge, the county commissioners in Grayson and Collin counties local city officials, mayors, and city councils. Nobody supported this. Mm-hmm. And it is troublesome to a local. I know one guy who said he owns 300 acres that would be in favor of it. That's that's the only person that I saw that actually had skin in the game that was like, ah, I would like to be able to deer hunt my place with a rifle. Most of the other hunters that I saw, whether it was on Texas Bowhunter or Facebook or Instagram or, or wherever – the ones who were like, y'all need a gun season. Don't, don't live here. Don't live here. Don't live here and don't own land here and don't right. hunt here. And, and quite frankly, probably you've never been here. Yeah. And, and God really, bless them. I'm, I'm happy that they're out there hunting. And I, 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 uh, my deer lease is not in these. I rifle hunt more than I bow hunt. Um, but this is a unique place. But you appreciate what we have here. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the problem with. It's so expensive. If I could afford, like I told you, I spent a lot of money for that 20 acres a couple years ago. Yeah. And it was just such a pain in the rear with neighbors' dogs always on there running deer off, hot air balloon firing up on the next property over. <laughs> I didn't even know what the noise was until the balloons above my tree stand. Yeah, it's... Yep. Uh, well, the, 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 the problem is that the, the, the concern that we have, that everybody I've talked to when we found out what we found out, is that we have somebody who's a publicly appointed official in a publicly appointed position mm-hmm. who is consulting in a private capacity. And, and in my opinion, I don't travel multiple counties across the state of Texas unless I'm going to get paid. I don't do that. I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. And I suspect others don't either. And so if I'm doing a job for money, then I also say that it's possible that in my publicly appointed position, I have the ability to manipulate this for you. I think there's a problem with that. I think it speaks to a a greater level of concern as to what's really going on within some of these committees. I think it's, I think the public ought to be concerned that, we have somebody who thinks, acting in their private capacity, they have the ability to use a public position, possibly for for personal gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it appeared to us that there were a total of three or four people who could have benefited from this petition. The private landowner, any family members, Dr. Jacobson and Mr. Conduct. What the benefit was to them, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there were over 280 people at the meeting in Grayson County who, first of all, were shocked to hear this. And I think that speaks to the public at large. It should. Mm-hmm. Anybody who votes in the state of Texas ought to be concerned about something like that going on. And second of all, who are vehemently opposed to the petition. We got our own petition. What's that? I mean, we 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 reacted with oh, yeah. our own petition, saying, "Hey, sign this if you're opposed 
to the Texas Parks and Wildlife petition? Quite frankly, I think anybody, you know, there are a lot of people like, and just like any other political uh, issue, there are a lot of people who, quite frankly, don't care mm-hmm. one way or another. I don't hunt. I don't really care if you rifle hunt or you archery hunt. But by gosh, it, when I find out what's really going on and the angles at which this is being approached and the people who have the potential to gain, they ought to be furious that stuff like this even has the potential to happen mm-hmm. to private citizens. Do you think Texas Parks and Wildlife was surprised by the response that they got? Honestly, the Because same- when I talked with Alan, it seemed to me, and he didn't say this, but it seemed like Texas Parks and Wildlife was considering it a slam dunk, like they were just going to do it. I don't know how they could have possibly been surprised because the same guys that were working on it in 2021 and 2022 were many of the same guys who were around the 2009 and 10 when we did the very same thing. Mm-hmm. And it was opposed then. I'm not sure the opposition wasn't even stronger this time. Mm-hmm. People simply don't want – Sounds terrible. Those guys in Austin telling us up here in Grayson and Collin County is what to do with our land. Mm-hmm. You know, as I said earlier, this is not a one size fits all state. The state is managed differently across the board. And oh, by the way, to the extent that they say that they don't manage for trophy quality, ask them about the Sherlinka program. Right. Sure, they do. Mm-hmm. They won't admit it, and that's fine. They should. Texas should be proud of the trophy animals that we raise. Sure. But they manage turkeys differently, quail differently. Mule deer in West Texas differently, pronghorn antelope, bighorn sheep, fisheries, yeah. the coast. Well, don't. here's the other thing. Don't tell me that you don't manage for trophy quality of white-tailed deer and then enforce a 13-inch minimum inside spread because that is 100% geared at making hunters shoot older deer. That's right. So, okay, why do we want to shoot older deer? Oh, well, because, you know. Yeah, nicer racks, older deer, mature animal. Okay, that should be everyone's goal, right? And you know what, and that is primarily in East Texas, and you know what they're trying to do when they implement antler restrictions in East Texas? They're trying to catch those deer up to what we already have in Grayson and Collin counties. Right, right. That's what they're doing. 100%. And, and I, I, I agree with that, and I don't know that many people are opposed to it. I'm not, and, I've, and I have been the victim of it, like in my place in Clay County. I'm, I know this deer is six and a half years old. I send the picture to the game warden. He's like, dude, don't shoot it. It's only 12 inches wide. And that yeah. and, you know, those bucks fall through the cracks. It's, un, it's, it's unfortunate. But I'm still in cracks. favor of antler restrictions because right. I think it helps people shoot an older class of deer. It's better for the overall health of the herd. And, mm-hmm. and, and the um, you know, with, with, with management these days, most people, that's their goal is to shoot older age class mature deer. Mm-hmm. And that certainly helps them get there, you know, and, and so does archery only. But so don't tell me that you don't manage for trophy deer when you have regulations in place that absolutely do just that. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, 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 and this, the archery only season is simply another element to that. But most importantly, uh, you, you know, you ask if, if they were surprised. I don't know if they were surprised or not. Uh, Mr. Kane said that he's required to move the petition forward. I, I wonder if that's true. Um, 
I can't imagine every petition that's ever filed gets to the commission stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the commission, to their credit, deserve a lot of credit for looking through some of the other issues and really getting to the heart of it, which is nobody up here wants this. Mm-hmm. Why are we even considering this? Right. And they sent a pretty strong message, you know, to, to I mean, the I signed the petition. I know hundreds of other uh, bow hunters here. And I, I think that they, for them to just absolutely withdraw the proposal and not even vote on it, to me, that I kind of think they weren't expecting that response. I don't know. Well, I think... Because they were pretty gung-ho about it. And then it's I like, think there's a different angle. Mm. Well, I don't think the commission was fully informed. Mm-hmm. The commission is composed of, you know, Mr. Applin from Bucky's and lawyers and oil and gas executives. And they're not biologists. They're, they're not department personnel. They're, they're appointees. And, you know, they rely on the department for the right information, uh, but they have to get the right information. And it, they didn't get, why is the general public, i.e. you and I, responsible for getting the commission the right information? That's screwed up on every level. <laughs> they didn't get the information from the public until it was shoved in their face and by the hard work of our state representative, our state senator, and and the local county officials. And you know, I, I think they probably were shocked at the response. It was ninety four percent opposition. Mm-hmm. Again, that's statewide. And so that doesn't even take into account the outsiders and, and who knows how, how they were commenting, but 94% opposition. One of the commissioners said, I've never voted for anything that has greater than 50% opposition. Why would I start now? Yeah. You know? And, and so if you know that the opposition is that great, why do you even present the petition? Yeah. You know, the, the message has been sent by the commission. The message has been sent by locals and that's not going to change. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was pleased to hear that they withdrew without even taking it to a vote. Like, and yeah, like you said, give the commission credit for, we're not even going to entertain this now that we know what's what. Right. You know? But I think, I think the department could also consider not to entertain it if it happens again. Yeah. I, I think. Well, it's not, our response isn't going to change as a hunting it's, community. It, it's not. And, and the people up here are not hard to find, mm-hmm. you know, I do not speak for the entire community, but I feel like I speak for a large majority of it. Not, not. Wasn't that own, how democracy works? The majority. Not works. for my own personal gain either, but really, I, you know, I do a lot of this. I don't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time on stuff like this, but I do it for my, my friends. I do it for the guys I know that have a 20-acre parcel to bow hunt, and they want to keep it as long as they can. Mm-hmm. I don't even do it for myself, you know? I have land to hunt, and that's not going to change. But some guys, it is. And I'm really doing it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm standing up to be the voice that they can't be because they're not comfortable talking about stuff like this or, um, you know, or, or whatever. But... Uh, we're a phone call away. And if this came up again, anybody just have to call us, call our state, you know, Senator, call our state representative, say, hey, how's everybody feeling up there these days? Well, you know, we're still opposed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 an easy conversation. I don't think it has to get to this point. Nobody wants to get it to this point. What do you think? And, and no, you're absolutely right. And I've, I have a great relationship with Texas Parks and Wildlife over the years. 
95% of the time, I, I think they're doing a great job. I mean, of course, we all could nitpick regulations and have, find fault in this or that, but I think they do a good job providing hunting and fishing opportunity for Texans. I think, especially considering how much private land we have in this state, you know. So I think they do a good job. This is the first time where I can remember in almost 15 years of doing this where I'm like, "You guys are wrong, 100 percent wrong," and we're going to call a spade a spade. Well, and here's the problem: is when it becomes somewhat personal when we're called selfish and elitist. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that was going to be my next question and, for you. And and, and you know, nobody invited those comments. Um, if we're being selfish because we believe the management system that we've had in place for 25-plus years works and it doesn't need to change, then I don't think that's our problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it clearly works. It produces. Uh, the herd is small but healthy. Um, and... and Mature animals are harvested on a regular basis, and the herd clearly is not overpopulated. And so it's working. And as time goes on, we haven't even touched on the fact that Texas Instruments is about to bring a $39 billion investment to Grayson County over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm aware of at least 6,000 planned homes in and around Sherman over the next five to 10 years. That's acreage. That is hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of acres of otherwise what it would otherwise be prime wildlife habitat, not just deer that's going to disappear, mm-hmm. you know? And so again, we aren't trying to change anything. We're trying to maintain and hold on to what we have. I don't think that's selfish or elitist. I've- I think it's prudent. I, I believe you're spot on there, and I have been called, um, and I don't think these people lived in these counties, but that's elitist. Hey, I've always, uh, uh, you know, I think you've done a great job over the years of, of um, representing the rights of hunters or trying to further our messaging. Um, but people are like, but how can you say, how can you put this restriction on us and say we we shouldn't have a gun season? I'm like... I'm not restricting anything. This is an addition. Like if this was, if we had a rifle season and they were trying to take it away, oh, I would die on that hill, you know, in a heartbeat. But that's not what this is. They're trying to add something right. that, that that we don't want as a hunting community. I understand there might be a few people, like the guy said with the 300 acres. I get it. Majority rules, you know, that's democracy and. 90% of the people I've talked to that hunt in these counties don't want it. There are people that agree with all kinds of things that the department does, and, and they have a very difficult job. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a huge state. You know, I mean, what other state has a diverse type of resources and, and habitat that we have? And they have a very difficult job, and nobody's discrediting what they do. You know, they do, for for the most part, a great job. And and, and we're not asking for, for any change here. We're not asking them to do anything mm-hmm. other than just keep it the way it is. Um and especially in the manner in which it was proposed, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not the right way to go about doing business here. It's not, it's not the right way to present something like this to the citizens. Nope. hundred percent agree. Um, where can folks, if they want to really dive into this and see what I would say is clear corruption, um, you expose it in the slang of the golden goose. Where can people find that if they want to read it? Uh, 
Is it in the public comments? It's, it's in the public comments. So it's part of public record. It's part of the public record. Uh-huh. My goal and our goal is not to slander anyone or or to uh, cost anyone their job or or to uh, bring ill will upon anyone, but the people need to know what's going on. And if that means that somebody within the department needs to take a look at, at committees, at who's appointed, how long they sit on the committees, whether there's any turnover, do the committees really represent the public interest? Do they properly represent the population as a whole or a few select individuals? Uh, then, then maybe somebody needs to take a look at that. Mm-hmm. But that's not my job to decide. Um, the public needs to know how their interests are truly represented mm-hmm. if they are. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to say thanks to you, Brock, for kind of spearheading the uh, that effort as far as compiling what's really going on and getting it out there so that people c- could be aware of it. And then I want to also say thanks to uh, the the hunting community in these four counties for standing up for themselves and just saying, no, hey, we're going to fight this thing. We're not going to roll over and take it. We didn't ask for this. You pushed it on us, and we're going to fight back. And uh, we've we won for now. I don't I don't know if it's over, but it seems like every few years they try to do it again. I don't know if it is either, but uh, the people have spoken, and as far as I know, that's not going to change anytime soon. I consider myself young enough that I'm going to be here for a long, long time, and I'm I'm in. I'm committed. I'm going to stay that way. Right on, man. Well, hey, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. And Brock and I talked off the air. It's like, hey, we're not trying to throw Texas Parks and Wildlife under the bus. Like, that's never something that I would personally seek out to do. I love Texas Parks and Wildlife. But when you get it this egregiously wrong, like, it has to be called into question. So um, it is what it is. And I think it's the first time I've ever gotten sideways with tpwd and nearly 15 years of doing this so there's a lot of questions <laughs> we're gonna take a break uh that segment of the show brought to you by all season smokers i fired mine up last weekend what was i cooking oh yeah i did a uh, pork belly burnt ends for the first time ever Woo! two hours on the smoker i mean there's so much fat on these things it's like a uh, thick cut Melt in your mouth bacon and uh, tossed it in a little raspberry habanero barbecue sauce from Texas Select Seasonings. There, I, I ate it all. <laughs> I was like, Here, kids, you can have a bite. Sorry, Aaron, uh, there's none left for you. I gave the kids your bite because I, I ate the other eight pieces. I think it was like two pounds of pork belly, uh, which I smoked on the uh, all season smoker. You can find their entire lineup of barbecue pits and smokers at allseasonsfeeders.com. Coming up next, we'll change things up and talk land acquisition. We all want it, right? For hunting? I I do. Or fishing? Well, that's the dream. And we'll get into it next with Lone Star Ag Credits, Tyler Rosser on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Where you gonna run when the river runs dry? Reach out your hands, baby, kiss that sky. Gonna call when it gets rough. Try it all alone, but you're never gonna be 
If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit bobcatofdallas.com today. There's a classic there from Jay and the Americans. Come a little bit closer. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to my cameraman, Steve. We were riding back from South Texas, eight-hour drive from Turkey Camp, and he and I do not have the same taste in music. He thinks Texas country is trash. I think the punk rock BS that he kept playing on my uh, Spotify, it was all garbage. Not good punk, like... uh, I don't know, Blink-182 or Social Distortion or something of that ilk. No, obscure, underground, so bad. And so I was rating his choices between one and ten stars, and most of them were like one, two. And then out of nowhere, he fired up that one. And it's one that, uh, as a kid, I was only allowed to listen to the Christian station or oldies for, it seems like, until I was in junior high. And so uh, he was shocked when I started singing all the words to that one. But... uh, Hadn't heard that song in so long, so appreciate that one, Steve. Um, We are going to visit with Lone Star Ad Credits, Tyler Rosser, momentarily. Uh, But this segment is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee company. I'm drinking the uh, Espresso 300 Triple Shot right now. 100% Colombian coffee, natural caffeine, and focus. You can get it in a can at your local convenience store or over at uh, blackriflecoffee.com. Use that promo code LONESTAR20 at checkout and you'll save 20% off your entire order. All right. Uh, Well, joining me now in studio to talk a little land acquisition and possibly some fly fishing, it is my pleasure to welcome Lone Star Ad Credits, Tyler Rosser. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, buddy. What are your What are your plans for this weekend? You going turkey hunting? Not going turkey hunting yet. I'll be uh, actually out in East Texas, so I like to ride bikes mainly, kind of gravel bikes. So you're uh-huh. out in the woods, and uh, a buddy who's having his second kiddo in into April, he convinced me to join him on a 385 mile bike packing race. So effectively, uh, we load up at a point blank Texas, a hole in the wall, uh, kind of northeast of Huntsville. We ride 385 miles. Uh, try I'm not gonna say nonstop. We'll probably camp once or twice, sleep in a bar ditch, something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, see if we can survive and get back for the party and some cold beers on Sunday night. Wow, 385 miles. 385. My longest ride to date is 102, and I did that three weeks ago uh, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So luckily the weather looks pretty good, but 
I think we do one, 120, 140, 120 or so to try and get it done. So we'll wow. see. We'll so, see. and this isn't, this isn't on pavement? It's probably, f- ah, I think they say it's about 70% unpaved, 30% paved. So huh. it's just on county roads and, you know, small town counties, Trinity County, Houston County, kind of that uh, Crockett, Jacksonville. Uh, we kind of head over towards Lufkin, Ratcliffe, Kennard, kind of that whole East Texas little triangle. Hmm. I'd sign up for that, but I'd take my uh, Quiet Cat and, you know, it's uh, got a motor on it. That would and be a much better you just, way to do it. You pedal like once and you go like 25 miles an hour. <laughs> we, we have to pedal a lot or go real downhill to hit 25 miles an hour. The The bikes will probably weigh like 40 pounds with everything on it, you know, sleeping pad, food and such. So it'll be a, a uphill will be a grind, that's for sure. I'd be the guy looking for like, I, it's like the people that have uh, um, electric cars, you know. I was like, I, gotta, I can only go about 25 miles, then I got to recharge the battery. That, that's pretty much how we're going to be. We stop about every 30 miles, and our first McDonald's stops 30 miles uh. in, and I told him, I'm, I'm probably going to buy about 10 McDoubles, slap it in my bag, and just be eating the rest of the day, trying to survive. Right on, man. Well, that sounds interesting. Um, how long have you worked for Lone Star Ag Credit? So it has been since December of 2015, so going on about six and a half years. Okay. And always in the East Texas area? So I actually started uh, in our Round Rock branch uh, back in, like I said, December 15. I um, spent up until March 1st of 2020 uh, between our Round Rock, Georgetown, and Temple branch. We kind of merged our Round Rock and Temple branch uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in March of 2020, I had the opportunity to come up to our, our Sherman office up here north of DFW um, and kind of step in there into a little more, uh, I guess, advanced role, you could say. Um, had a great time. Wife and I moved up here. Uh, we moved in on February 27th, 28th. Had a, had one fun weekend in Dallas with some friends. And then uh, life changed just a little bit for us. <laughs> you got a kid. <laughs> you know, I haven't had a kid yet. Just COVID got us. COVID got us. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we don't have one of those on the way yet, but we're in the, <laughs> the pre-planning stages is what we call it. Right on. Um, okay. Well, I know Lone Star Ag Credit had a great year in 2021 and um we're talking about a company that's over 100 years old now i think it was founded in 19, in uh, 1919 maybe I, that sounds right i know maybe, we had our 100 year, year anniversary two, maybe a year or two below that but the uh, sherman branch actually was the the first farm credit loan in the state of texas uh, we've actually got the not the original documentation but a, a a copy of it up on our wall so it's it's pretty cool to be a part of that history and do, are you familiar with the history? Like, can you talk about farm credit history and, and what exactly that means? Very high level. You know, farm credit was uh, created kind of in the early 1900s as a, as a government-sponsored entity, um, kind of the government allowing, you know, farmers and ranchers to have access to credit whenever your regular bank, you know, the city bank in town, the uh, savings and loan, maybe didn't want to lend into ag just because of the, the risk of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um Farm Credit stepped in there historically was a land bank and a kind of an operating bank uh, in each county. And then one yeah, specifically would find uh, fund land for the farmers and ranchers and then one that would fund, you know, equipment, cattle purchases, uh, tractor purchases, feed purchases, whatever that is. Um, over time, those have merged up. We kind of have turned into more of a, a all uh, encompassing, you know, ag credit association, sometimes what they call them, or American They've turned into more of a true credit association where we are doing all that in one shop. So mm-hmm. on a single day, I can take a call and I can, you know, do a loan for a guy buying 50 head of replacement heifers. Um, another customer buying, you know, their first bush hog to 
uh, mow the 10 acres uh, that they just bought. Someone building a barn dominium on their property, and then another young couple, you know, buying their first 10 acres where they want to build a house in five, 10 years, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that is. So we do a little bit of everything now. Really, anything kind of outside of the city limits uh, is our world and mm-hmm. where we think we specialize in. So, how do, like, systematically, how does Lone Star Ag Credit pay? It's borrowers back because y'all paid out and you have the patronage program. So it's like, hey, sounds like a good deal. If you're going to pay me money to borrow money from you, right? At the end of the day, you're going to pay me back. Um, how does that all play out? And I know that 2021 was like a banner year. I think we paid out like $24 million to uh, to borrowers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, well, the uh, I believe our, our patronage payout was $24.1 million, uh, biggest to date. Um, something we're really proud of. Woo, people are buying land. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> Especially around this DFW area. It's been going like crazy. Um, but Lone Star Ag Credit and most farm credit associations are organized like a co-op. So, you know, for some people, I reference an electric co-op. If someone's a little more outdoorsy, the REI co-op, you know, where you go buy your tents, sleeping pads, hiking boots, that sort of stuff. At the end of the year, out of our earnings, we're able to return a share of that to our customers. Um, and each year, we've been able to kind of slowly ramp that share up more and more, where we're finally up to that $24.1 million payout. And we're hoping to continue to increase that trend over the next couple of years as, you know, unfortunately, uh, land prices go up. More people want to move out in the country, mm-hmm. uh, which we've seen. Um, well, there's a reason for that. Absolutely. City, city life isn't what it used to be. City life is not what it used it's to be. It it's only getting worse, too. Busier and busier. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I first moved to McKinney, it was, you know, a suburb. But it, And I remember coming up here as a kid. Well, I grew up in Dallas, and we would play soccer tournaments in McKinney. And it was like, God, we got to drive to McKinney? It's 30 minutes away. You know? It used to like, be the boonies, right? Right. And then, uh, you know, I, I moved out here 15 years ago, and it's like all the places that I used to dove hunt have been developed, and, you know, now it's like McKinney's a major city, you know, where it used to just be the burbs. Uh, but people want to get away from that even now. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's like in, in lands, what, what I always say when I read y'all's, your, your advertisement during the show is, you know, land's the one thing they're not making more of, but we all want it, right? Yep, financing your piece of Texas. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in, in East Texas, kind of talk about where we're riding almost, in a little town called Groveton, a little 1A school. And, you know, growing up, I only graduated high school in 2010, so it wasn't wasn't too long ago, right? Mm-hmm. But that was the middle of nowhere. Um, and as, you know, DFW and Houston have continued to grow, we've seen that rush of people wanting to get, you know, out of town. That's not too far now. You know, there's people buying property up there that are able to commute into uh, Conroe and Huntsville, you know, the woodlands even, if they're only going in once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's their home base. And for us, that was, you know, an hour and a half, two hours into Houston, depending on where you're going. And that's, yeah, as a kid, that's a long ways to drive. Yeah. No oh, fun. yeah. Yeah. Um, so interest rates are going up. You know, we've got record inflation right now. We have somehow gotten into a war situation. Um, how does that affect y'all's business? Yeah, what I always tell customers and prospects when they call in, you know, um, with the news, with CNBC, wherever you're, you're getting your financial news, you hear about the the Fed increase in the rate, right? What does that do? Well, that doesn't directly impact kind of where our rates come from as a farm credit association. We're um, we're more funded kind of through the bond market. So uh, if you keep up with, you know, two-year, five-year, 10-year uh, treasury yields on those bonds, um, you can kind of see roughly which way farm credit rates are tending to go. Uh, we've seen that 10-year be extremely volatile, really erratic, jumping up and down like crazy as, you know, the markets are swinging um, kind of both ways. Um, 
what we anticipate is, you know, we're hoping it levels off, if not pulls back a little bit. Historically, you know, those farm credit rates are anywhere from hopefully five to six percent. And then when you're paying a dividend back and you're getting down effectively into the threes or the four percents. And, you know, that's a really easy rate for a lot of people to stomach um, as rates continue to increase. And, and people request that fully fixed rate because rates are volatile. When you start to get into those high sixes and low sevens, that that's tough for people, you know, your age or my age to swallow because we've heard. 2%, 3%, you know, 4% is a high rate for most of our lives. Right. There's, there's some old timers that heard 18, 15, mm-hmm. and hell, seven's a good deal, right? Right, right. What would you say is the average piece of acreage that, you know, and I know it could be, there's people that are buying 500-acre places, 1,000-acre places, 10-acre places. What is your, just generally speaking, like what are most people buying? I would definitely say it varies some by office. So uh, our offices that are more uh, located, essentially located to a, to a metro area. So mm-hmm. uh, we have so smaller properties. Smaller properties, then you're going to start seeing those those five acres, ten acres, fifteen, maybe twenty, uh, just because people are running out of land, right? Like mm-hmm. so, they're not they're not building anymore. It is right. what it is. But then we have offices, you know, further out east, uh, New Boston or Paris or out west in Abilene and Sweetwater and. You can't do much with 10 acres out there. So they're dealing a lot more with 30, 40, 50, you know, even 100 acres out there isn't isn't that much mm-hmm. if you're trying to run a true ag operation. Um, but we can finance anywhere really down to one acre. You know, if it's out in a rural area and it's something that they want to build on at some point, um, that's that's right in our kind of breadbasket of what we can do all day. Okay. Um, well, you know, it's been a, a treat for me to get to work with you guys over the years. And I, I think we've been, like, I think I've worked with Lone Star Ag Credit for like a decade now. Um, and it's great to see y'all's business continue to grow. Um, you know, big fan of what you guys do and, and what you offer, uh, the consumer as far as, uh, great, great rate and paying them back through the uh, patronage program. Uh, obviously you've been around for over a hundred years, so you're doing something right. <laughs> um, as far as you personally though, Let's talk a little hunting and fishing. What uh, what do you like to do besides ride ride bikes? Yeah, outside of torturing myself on a bicycle, I, I've recently really gotten into fly fishing. Okay. So I married a. Uh, so married you're a, in Sherman. Yes. How close is it for you just to run up to Broken Bow? So it is about two, is it two and a half, three or so. If we okay. kind of jump on it pretty quick and don't hit any of the Broken Bow traffic, we uh-huh. can we can get up there pretty quick. And haven't been up there yet. Most of what we've done has been local. We go out to the uh, Texoma Dam right there in Denison. Uh-huh. It's easy to get down there. And then just kind of some of the uh, boat docks around the lake, you can kind of jump out there and throw it some bass. But that's really been it. I, I grew up, you know, uh, whitetail hunting in East Texas. We had about 100 acres, a little 50-head uh, cattle operation. And we were so busy, you know, uh, running that, showing, you know, all the stuff your kid does in a 1A school. Uh, we'd go sit in the stand on Saturday morning for a couple hours, and I'd realize, shit, i got to go disc a pasture for six hours. It's going to be hard to sit here for too much longer. Um, but like I said, I, I married a girl who uh, her folks came from Montana, and there's some pretty good places up there, and I'd never really left Texas that much until we got married. And after going up there for a year or two and just seeing some of the, the fish they're pulling out of the rivers up there, I said, that's probably something we should get into and start throwing a little bit. So we've been practicing down here, and we're actually planning in the middle of April a little two-week road trip. We're going to try and hit most of the rivers up there in oh, nice. Montana, Wyoming, loop back around through Utah. Um, and have just a little fly fishing trip. So we'll see how it goes. And she, your wife, enjoys it as well? It's her thing. She oh, she wow. is more than me. Uh, she's tying flies, you know, watching the videos, figuring out what's you know, spawning at the right time. And that's, it, it's more her than me. She is my outdoorsy girl. Uh-huh. Well, fly fishing is awesome. I, I am not a uh, an expert by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I'd like to, to piddle around and mm-hmm. 
uh, see how many trees I can snag. And if I catch a fish or two during that process, then that's just gravy. But uh, it's like hunting for fish, um, which is yep. certainly enjoyable. I mean, spending a day on the water, like on the river, it's tough to beat that. Absolutely. And it's it's something that when you're up there in the mountains, you know. Just uh, get away from the noise. It, it's pretty good to just be out in a stream somewhere in the middle of Montana, mm-hmm. just kind of trudging up it in your way, just trying to find yourself a little rainbow trout or something yeah. like that. It's, yeah. it's it's a good way to do it. And, you know, not, not one to sit still a ton. I, I struggle with that. So you go out and, you know, you go striper fishing and you're just letting your line drop and you're sitting there and waiting. It's it's fun, but man, it, it drags on me a little bit. I got to be moving. Yeah. So that's what the uh, fly fishing's been really fun. Is you know you're either on the boat constantly moving, you're wading, you're walking, you know you're watching. It's it's an adventure, that's yeah. for sure. Well, cool. Well, I hope you guys have a great trip, and uh, I certainly appreciate you uh, coming over to the studio. Yeah, no, absolutely, Cable. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and uh, just give a website. I'm sure all of the offices are listed on on the main page. Yeah, absolutely. www.lonestaragcredit.com. All our offices there. Uh, I believe all the lenders kind of have a page on there. If you see someone that you know looks like you, someone you'd want to do business with, feel free to reach out to them. They'll get back to you pretty quick. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Tyler. Appreciate it, brother. Awesome. Thank you, Cable. Have a good day. So there you have it. Everything you wanted to or need to know regarding uh, land acquisition in 2022, if you're looking at possibly using farm credit and a Lone Star Ag Credit does it better than anyone else. And they've been doing it longer. Like you said, first office was up there in uh, Sherman, Texas. The first ever in Texas. Um, That segment of the show brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy and John X Safaris. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to Tyler, as well as our other guest, Brock Benson. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. In the bag of Hank Williams' Cadillac Crucified on a treble clef made of gold And all the music made me quiver I gave it my heart, my soul, and my liver Now I'm thinking about turning this rig around and heading home.